0: Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.
1: We are privileged to have a brief moment with Ellie Hutchison, our member in Discernment and we are going to get to know her a little bit better through questions and answers. Ellie, first question for you. Yes. You go by the name Ellie. What pronouns do you go by, and why is that now significant in our culture today?
0: That's a really good question. I use the pronouns uh, she, her, hers, or they, them, theirs. And why it's important for us to ask folks their um, preferred pronoun usage in contemporary society is a wonderful question. So I teach business English at Gateway Community College. And it is basically grammar, Uh, early, simple sentence structure, and those type of things. And we have a whole chapter on pronoun usage. And so I bring in that contemporary perspective of why it's important to ask preferred pronoun usage in workplace, and what being a good ally looks like is by modeling it instead of saying, hey, Tony, what pronouns do you use? Saying, hi, Tony, my name is Ellie, and I prefer the pronouns of she, her, hers, or they, them, theirs. So that way, if the person that you're talking to chooses to respond similarly, it gives them that safe and open space in which to do so. And as you talked about, or will be talking about in your sermon, is this concept of a binary understanding of our existence in the world. And many times how we present physically and spiritually and emotionally on the outside of our bodies oftentimes can be very different inside our bodies. And so instead of just assuming, instead of just putting everybody into this binary category, by modeling saying our pronouns first, we're letting people know that I'm giving you a safe space to interact with me and if you choose to respond accordingly with your pronouns. I hope that answers your question.
1: In thinking about pronouns, Hmm. for some people it may feel a lot like riding a unicycle. and trying to learn how to do that. Why is this could be so confusing? It was so simpler the other way. Why is it important that we be sensitive in this area?
0: You know, I think in our contemporary society, especially um, in 2020, the idea of um, honoring somebody's dignity And by honoring somebody's dignity, it takes work to become more knowledgeable, to become more loving, more caring, whether it be for ourselves or even for other people. It's about putting in the work to do so. And I think that it's really, really important for us to work hard for other people um, because wouldn't we want that in return? And I understand sometimes it's really difficult. I have a number of friends who um, I knew them um, uh, pre-transition stages and after transition stages. And by transition stages, I mean they have um, finally had the gender-confirming surgeries or in the process of the gender-confirming process and surgeries to honor who they are internally. And I mess up. Sometimes I call those who identify as transgender men and are going through that process, but I knew them um, prior as when they socially identified as a woman, I'm like, hey girl, how are you? And then I catch myself and I apologize. And so for me, making sure that I model the pronoun usage, uh, it is an identifier. It it to me says, okay, they wanna be called they, I'm going to see them as they. I'm going to respect them as they. So that's why I think it's important for us to, to really work hard because it's important for us to center their dignity in all of the things we do. And like I said moments ago, it's as important that they center our dignity. It's a good place to start in the world.
1: You use the pronouns she, her, hers and then you use the pronouns, they, them, theirs. How, why do you use those pronouns? And on the LGBTQ spectrum, how do you identify and how does that tie into those use of pronouns?
0: It's a great combination of both those questions. Actually, my first response to your first question was going to focus on this um, term that we know as uh, queer theory, um, or a concept of queer theory. Uh, So along the LGBTQIA spectrum, I identify as queer. The reason why I choose the pronouns she, her, hers, or they, them, theirs, is because on a daily basis, that's how I feel. I use queer theory, identify as queer, because I would like to push back. Queer theory is designed to push back on social constructs. It's designed to cross borders and boundaries and get to see the deeper thing that exists below those. And so for me, Sometimes if I were to identify, as I identify she, her, hers, I do feel like a female. I have, or what we've come to know socially is what females should look like or what females should feel like or females should exist in the world. So I know that because I've been socially trained to believe in those things. I have, um, an attitude of care that is associated with being a female, although I don't think that that is just given, uh, that care can be just a woman thing at all. But as we come to expand our knowledge of this binary, coming to expand our knowledge of, of queer existence, I, have started to, in the last year, really understand that a little bit more deeply within myself because there are many times that I don't feel like the socially constructed female. I have a lot of friends who have pointed out to me, wow, I bet it is really hard for you to meet this gender person because there's so much of you that exists in this way, in this way. And I'm human. So when friends say things to me, when people say things to me, I I, I examine what that means for me. And so in this last year, I've been thinking about what does it mean for me to identify as a mother? What does it mean for me to identify as a woman if those aren't the things that I feel all the time? And so I have added the pronouns of they, them, theirs as well. Um, and I also think as as somebody who is continually discovering who I am. You know, I thought at 46, I would already know know what I am or who I am or what my goals are in life, but it's not been the case. And it's been a really glorious and difficult journey. And I think that by identifying as queer, it's given me the like the tool, but the tool belt that has all of these different tools that I can go out and exist and, and love people in the world.
1: Ellie, thank you for the opportunity of getting to know you. So is it a boy or a girl? It's amazing that our identity from the very beginning, even before we enter into the world, is based upon our sex. Is it a boy or is it a girl? They have these gender reveal parties where they tell people and they surprise people with the news, is it a boy or a girl? Our identity, even before we enter the world, is based upon our reproductive organs. When you stop and think about that, that's pretty amazing. And it's not only at the very beginning of life, it's throughout life. When we apply for an ID, any type of identification, one of the questions, check a box, male, female, it's almost as if we are saying the core of who we are is based upon that reality. And religion continues to support that idea. Religion continues to support the traditional idea that our gender, our sex, is binary. And so we support the traditional norms and roles that come with that. And Christian in particular, we also continue to support that idea. We see our gender, our sexuality, as being binary. Now, when you stop and realize that, That has huge implications, because first of all, our sex and our gender, they say, are synonyms. They're one and the same. But is that true? Others would say that our sex is tied to our reproductive organs, and our gender is far more than just that. That our gender is actually tied into a complexity of the entirety of humanity, of a human being. But yet Christians have in the past, and the majority continue to support this idea of a binariness, that we are either male or female, one or the other. And with that, the basis for that is tied into the idea that this is God's design. That if you go against God's design, then you are going against God's will. And this has huge ramifications for not only the LGBTQ plus community, but specifically for the transgender community. And all of that is rooted in the text that we find in Genesis chapter one and two. Now, before we go there, there is one other text that is occasionally used against transgender individuals to say to them that it is against God's will. We find that text in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse five. It says the following, "'A woman shall not wear a man's apparel, Nor shall a man put on a woman's garment. For whoever does such things is, are you ready for this? Abhorrent to the Lord your God. We don't hear that text very often, do we? Because the culture has shifted. Imagine walking up to a woman who's wearing pants and saying, Oh, you wearing those pants? That's abhorrent to God. Imagine if a woman is wearing a man's shirt. That is abhorrent to God. But the culture that we live in today is different than the culture in the past. And perhaps that's one reason why we don't hear this text frequently used against transgender individuals. But the go-to text is in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. That tends to be the one we, that the majority of Christians will focus on. One individual in particular focused on this when, back in October, he preached a sermon in Columbia, Missouri. The church is enti- was called The Crossing. He titled his sermon, Male and Female, Ancient Text, Modern Debate. And he talked about Genesis 1 and 2. And his point was to emphasize that in Genesis 1 and 2, we get God's design for humanity. Manity before the fall is seen to be whole, and in its wholeness, it's defined as being male and female, very binary according to his view. Well, the ripple effect of that sermon was huge. This church had sponsors— they sponsored and as well as sponsored the church, they pulled away from them because they said, we will not be a part of a community, a part of a, an entity that speaks less than to the LGBTQ community. Well, the minister who preached the sermon responded to that, and he says the following with regard to that sermon in response, placing it in the local newspaper. He says the following, listen carefully. So what does the crossing believe? We believe that all trans people are made in God's image. We affirm their full personhood, dignity, and worth. We believe that our government bears a responsibility to protect their lives dignity, welfare, and all other rights afforded to every other person in this country. So far, so good, you'd give him a thumbs up. And he goes on, and it gets even better. We, respect, we reject all violence and bigotry against trans people. We are deeply saddened by the ways the Christian church has ignored, marginalized, othered, and hurt The trans community. We sincerely apologize for any and all ways we may have participated in this behavior. We advocate for love and compassion to all trans people, and we encourage the use of people's preferred pronouns. Wow! If I was a trans individual, I wonder if I would be attracted to attending that church, especially given what the minister just said. And if we stopped there, we'd be okay. But the writer, the the minister continues in saying the following. So why now? Why preach this sermon now. And he says the following, because we preach through the Bible chapter by chapter, whether or not it offends us or our culture. And last week, we just happened to be in Genesis one twenty-seven, which speaks clearly to a pressing question, gender. Most important, We believe, Jesus taught, that living by God's design for sex and gender is the best way to promote human welfare. Do you hear that? So we welcome you, we love you, we respect you, we will fight for your rights, and this is what God really wants for you. I dug a little deeper into their website, and I found their mission, and the mission says the following. We want to serve Christ by creating an environment that allows people to be who they are as they are first introduced to the gospel. Think of that. Creating an environment that allows people to be who they are as they are first introduced to the gospel. So, we will welcome you as you are. And then there's two words. And then. We welcome you. We will respect you. We'll stand behind you just as you are when you receive the good news of the gospel. And then. do You know, wonder the LGBTQ community, and in particular the transgender community, are suspicious when it comes to churches. We welcome you. We love you. Receive the gospel. And then. Listen to what it says. And then grow into the image of Jesus Christ. Our vision is for the transformation of the whole person and the whole life. Our passion is to help people understand and apply the Scriptures in a manner that shapes the way they live life in today's world. We welcome and accept you, and then you will be transformed into what God wants you to be. And what is it that God wants you to be? It's found in the Bible. So you go back to Genesis chapter one and two. And what does it say in Genesis one and two? Binary, male and female. It's so simple. And yet we are living in a very complex world. Humanity is made to feel very simple. Male, female, that's it. But it's not that easy. It's complex. It's not binary. It's on a spectrum. So no wonder people are hesitant to trust Christian communities. You walk in and you're told one thing. And the longer that you're there, if you don't transform into what their picture of the original architect of humanity ought to be, eh? Binary thinking is great in some situations. It works well if you're in a crisis, if you're facing an immediate threat. You see the threat, run or stay still. You don't want to stop if you have an immediate threat right in front of you and weigh your options. You want to make a quick decision and react. But binary thinking becomes dangerous when you take that simple polarization, one or the other, black and white, when it comes to complex situations. One of those is the Bible. Many Christians present the Bible as very simple. This is what the Bible says. It is the inspired Word of God. But how do we know it's inspired? Well, because it says it is. Well, who wrote it? God wrote it. How do we know God wrote it? Because that's what we say it is. So it's very black and white. It's easy. So a particular way of viewing the Bible, a particular way of reading the Bible, then impacts how you look at other human beings in a very simple black and white way. And again, people see, over time, begin to see through that. We know the Bible isn't that easy. I mean, I discovered that for myself. I I grew up in a very black-and-white way of thinking. And then I made a mistake. Well, two mistakes. Number one, I continued to read the Bible not commentaries, not books telling me what the Bible said, but actually reading the Bible. And then number two, I learned more about the history and the culture and the language and the nations that surrounded Israel at that time. And I begin to realize that the Bible is quite complex and pretty exciting to read. And it blew that binary way of reading right out of the water. And when that happens, it takes our idea of God and saying that God is this and God is not that, and it blows it out of the water too. And it takes our idea of humanity as being this or that, and it blows that out of the water too. And all of a sudden, you begin to live in a lot of gray. And I think that's uncomfortable for a lot of people, so a lot of people don't do that. I've had so many discussions with Christians, and as soon as you begin to go down that path and you begin to show them the grayness of of the Bible, uh, you can just watch their eyes just kind of glaze over. They don't want to hear it. And that's okay for them until they take their ideas and their view of the Bible, their reading of the Bible, and they begin to impose that upon other people. That's why they can say, we welcome and love all people. We will respect you. We will protect you. And then... So why preach this sermon? I'm going to ask the exact same question that that minister asked. Why now? I have two good reasons. Number one, it's Pride Month. Number two, the last six months has confirmed for me that we need to become allies. Allies to each other, and allies specifically to those who have been marginalized and continue to be minimalized in society. We, in Arizona right now, are feeling the effects of raw individualism. This idea that if I don't want to wear a mask, I don't have to wear a mask. If I want to go to a bar, I can go to a bar. Yes, you can. But look at the effects of that. We need allies. We need to come together as a society and end as much as we can the continual spread of this virus. But that means joining together, being allies together. The Black Lives Movement began years ago, but it isn't until just recently that we've realized that we, as white individuals, need to ally ourselves with the black community and right the wrongs that continue to exist and continue to oppress black individuals. And Pride Month reminds us, unfortunately only once a year, that we need to ally ourselves with those who want to be seen as either this or that, and if you don't conform, then there's something wrong with you that needs to be changed we need to be people that are willing to say more than just we welcome you and we love you we need to say those two words and then we need to say we accept you and you ready for this one we affirm you. We're not out to change you. We accept and affirm who you are. How you identify. It's not my job to identify you. It's your job to tell me this is who I am. And it's my job to accept that and affirm that and realize the gifts that you bring into my life. That's why I'm preaching this sermon. I I could have spent time talking about all the different texts and how the word Yahweh is used to describe God as both male and female. We could have talked about other texts that seem to implicate that people are intersexual or gender variants, But that isn't going to change anything. What changes is when we change ourselves first and how we view the Bible and then God and humanity. And when that change begins to take place inside of us, then it will impact. Our ability to accept and to affirm others. It's a beautiful world out there. And the variety of expressions of life make it just that way. Let's embrace it, let's relish in it. Today, and the today's to come. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at beatitudeschurch.org backslash online-giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.